Um, Pastor Tim is not here this week. He is away. Um, but for those of you who are disappointed, he will be back next week, okay? So uh, you just have to sit through one of these, okay? And he's coming back. Um, I want to I first, uh, last time I was up here from the front, I was talking to you about Inspire Sports Camps 2021 getting going, and we have just wrapped up, put a bow on our summer season of Inspire Sports Camps 2021, and I want to say thank you to all of you. We saw God show up in such amazing ways, and, and most of you know what I'm talking about, but those who do not, Inspire Sports Camps is a gospel-focused summer sleepaway sports camp for inner-city kids from all over this northeast region region that this church is 100% behind. So many of you are behind in prayer and support and and love and care and checking in, and you were doing that all summer long, and and, um, God just showed up. And everything you have heard about this last year and a half on on this side of things is, I want to tell you, is 100% true. Kids are lost right now, okay? They are seeking right now. They are anxious right now. They are looking and searching right now. And, and, and they, 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 they came out this summer, and it was almost like an explosion. They said, wow. And, and we had kids come in from all five boroughs in New York City, from, from Newark, from Patterson, Passaic, Philadelphia. And, 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 and here's the awesome thing that happened. Yeah, we, we heard all of it, but, but if you would have closed your eyes on any single day of camp from, from sunup to sundown, from flag raising to lights out, you would have heard nonstop cheering, nonstop laughing, nonstop just excitement, and kids, some of them for the first time in a year and a half, two years, just able to be kids, and it was awesome. I was able to be myself this week, one of our campers said. Another one said, I hydrated more than ever before. I drank more water than ever before. (laughs) I also learned that Jesus unconditionally loves me. My friend, and then then another one said this, and and this is what it's all about. My friends at home will notice a change in me when I go home. Because they came to camp, they unloaded what was going on in their lives. They were able to be kids, and God met them there. Jesus met them there. And so many of them are going back home because they made a decision. Listen to that word. We're going to talk about that word this morning. Decision. They made a decision that now became their foundation for every other decision in their lives. And that's the decision to put their life in Christ's hands. So guys, thank you. God was so good to us this summer. Gave us amazing times, and his spirit showed up each and every day at camp. And I just say thank you for being such an amazing part of it. And let's pray and ask the Lord now to meet us here this morning. Lord Jesus, Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you want to share from your word to us this morning. We just ask that you would do the speaking, do the leading, do the guiding. We pray this in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to talk about decisions this morning. I want to talk about decisions. Over the last several months, I've had a lot of conversations about decisions. I've heard people say to me, Kurt, I'm deciding whether it's time to leave my job. I'm deciding whether it's time to leave New Jersey. Is, it, is this really the direction I'm supposed to be headed? These are real, real conversations I've had. Is this the person I'm supposed to be dating? Real conversations I've had, whether in person or over the phone, about real decisions. And I want to ask you a question this morning and ask you to get vulnerable and real just by putting your hand up. Has anyone in this room this morning ever had a hard time making a decision? Okay, great. About 99% of you are honest this morning, okay? The rest, the, the 1% are just probably just shy. But um, as I'm having these conversations, I was coming off the heels of a place, uh, uh, coming off the season and the heels of a place where I think decision-making is on the greatest display of any place anywhere. And that is the second grade softball field, okay? So I had the pleasure of coaching my daughter in softball this year, coach pitch softball, all right? Coach, and the, and the, and the purpose of coach pitch softball is not to get the kids out, okay? It's to get the kids a hit. So I was the head coach and the pitcher of the team, and it was my job to, to throw that coach pitch uh, right down the plate, but really not just that down the plate, try to hit as many bats as I possibly could to get hits, okay? And after those bats, after those, those bats made contact with the ball, the decision started. Because now the ball's in play. And we went from the beginning of the year, these guys, these kids, these, these girls, these softball players, my daughter included, who had very little idea about the game. What, what, what glove do I put it on? My, my, the, you know, what hand do I put the glove on? And this and that, to, to getting the ball and, 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 and early in the season saying, where do I, what do I do? And just being paralyzed, not knowing what to do with the ball. Do I go here? Do I go here? Do I run? Da, da. And, and, then, and then by the end of the season, really, and this just shows how great of coaching happened, okay? Um, that by the end of the season, they were fielding the ball, they were throwing it to first, and they were making outs, and they knew where to go with the ball, and it was amazing, because they, 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 they got the ball, and they decided things. So you guys know, as I've talked to you in the past, I'm a coach, okay? And it doesn't matter if I'm coaching second grade, or high school, or, any, or, or, or anything else. It's, it's in my blood, but here's, one, here's three things I've learned about coaching. If I could share them with you this morning. You're going to see success in the athletes you're coaching if you do three things for them. If you line them up, teach them how to align, teach them how to react, and teach them how to finish. Listen to those three words because we're going to go over those today. Teach them how to align, teach them how to react, and teach them how to finish. And any coach at any level, if you do those three things, you're going to see success in the athletes you're coaching. But I'm going to talk to you about another, I'm going to talk to you about a person this morning from the Word who knew a thing or two about decisions. And, and, and in his own way, and in a much greater way than, than, I, just, than I can share, he, he talked about aligning in Christ, 
reacting in Christ and finishing in Christ. And what the person I want to look at today is the, the, the person of Peter, okay? And from his letter, 1 Peter. And what we got to know, but now you, I, I, saw the, I saw the eyes, you know, light up about Peter, all right? We give Peter a real hard time in church, okay? But I want to tell you something about Peter. Peter makes me feel better, okay? Every time I read about Peter in Scripture, in the Gospels, I feel so much better about my walk, okay? And, and he encourages me in, in some of those ways. But here's the, here's the thing about Peter, Yes, he's famous for rebuking Jesus and being told, get behind me, Satan. He's famous for, for, for just that quick reaction in the garden of grabbing that sword and cutting that soldier's ear off as, as Christ got taken away. He's, he's famous for that. He's famous for denying Christ three times. He gets, he gets, gets his, his real press on, the, on, these, on, these, on these things. But here's the other thing. And he knew all about making bad decisions. But here's the other thing. There, there might not be more poignant passages of holy living in Scripture than the ones that Peter wrote. Peter knew a thing or two about making good decisions as well. And he also knew something about finishing. Because as tradition tells us, as, 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 he, as his life was coming to an end, and as Nero decided it was time for Peter to go to the stake, he said, I'm I am not worthy to be crucified like Christ. Crucify me upside down. And, and, and that is the same guy that we read about in Scripture. That tradition passes down that, that he says, this is how I choose to finish. And he was able to finish that way. And this is Peter. Now, First Peter, and we're going to look in chapter 5, and you can turn there right now. Um, and as you turn there, let me just tell you that this letter is written to exiles, scat- strangers that are scattered throughout Asia Minor. And he's teaching these people, and he's encouraging these people to live courageously because they're scattered because of their faith. They're scattered because they, they, they're, and, and they're living in hostile society. And he's encouraging these believers who were scattered because of their faith in Jesus Christ to make wise decisions in the face of persecution. Living in a hostile society. A culture that wasn't very friendly to them. Which I think is pretty timely for us as well. So let's open today at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. For someone to devour, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. 
may I suggest this morning that there is no better way to align yourself in Christ than to humble yourself. The decision to humble yourself. You know, everyone says, you know, we, we make this decision for Christ when we hit rock bottom. But you know, rock bottom is different for everyone. And even when you get to rock bottom, you got to decide and say, Lord, I'm going to stay here or I'm going to give my life to you. And rock bottom looks different for just about every single person sitting here. It looks different. Sometimes rock bottom happens all at once. Sometimes rock bottom happens over time. But it's a point where you get to and you say, I am going to humble myself and not let it be about me any longer. My story is of a kid who on Sunday mornings, church wasn't an option. Okay, mom and dad were going to make sure I was there every Sunday. And I learned at a very early age to go go, that I had to be at church and that I was going to go to church and I was going to I was going to say the memory verse and I was going to get a lollipop and someone was going to say, good job, Kurt. And it was going to be all good. And I would enjoy that lollipop the rest of the morning. Okay, and I learned that showing up in church was a, a, an opportunity for me to perform and show, you know, how good uh, I could do, okay? And then, and then I got to high school age, and, and it became all about sports for me in high school, okay? Some of you guys might, might have had a similar track, but I, it, for me, it was all about sports. And I learned this about sports. I learned that even if you're not the greatest athlete, even if you're not the fastest or the strongest, if you listen to your coach... If you do what you're told, you can actually have some success on the field and you can see some, some accolades come your way if, if you just listen and do the right things that you're taught to do. And I, I became a captain. I got some, some, some uh, honors. And I even got on to, some, to, to a small level of college football, Division three level of football, and I was able to continue playing in college. And I learned how important it was to show up and do the right things. So I'm, I'm learning, in, in, as I go to church every Sunday, what it looks like to be a good boy. I'm learning how to perform athletically. But I'm going to tell you right now, that, 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 that set a pattern for me. And, and it, but, but that pattern changed when I became a young adult, as it relates to my faith. Because when I became a young adult, I met someone a very unlikely character who was a little bit older than me, who began to, to pour into me and began to share with me. Now, this guy had a much different life than I did, much different experience in life than I did, and experienced many things that I had never experienced and never wanted to experience when it relates to the ways he was treated, abuse, depression, and all kinds of things in his life and I saw someone for the first time in my Christian walk holding on to the truth unlike anyone I'd ever seen. It wasn't just someone showing up in church. It was someone saying, if I don't grab onto this, I'm spiraling. And in him, I saw someone who was grabbing onto the truth and because of the relationship I had formed with him, he started pouring into me and teaching me. And at that stage of life, it wasn't for me 
to learn more about Jesus. I told you I had grown up in church. I knew the Bible stories. For me, at that point in life, it was to learn about me and who I was apart from Jesus. And I'm going to tell you that until I understood how lost I really was, I did not appreciate how awesome Jesus was. And that happened at a young adult age for me. It was like this shot, and one of the life-changing books about that same time was this book by Larry Crabb. And in, in this book, he describes this apple, this shiny red apple that gets buffed. And, and everyone looks at this beautiful, delicious, red, crunchy, crispy apple that you want to bite right into. And I was that apple. On the outside, that's what everyone saw, that apple. But what I never let anyone see was right below the skin of that apple, I had this dirty little worm crawling around and rotting it out from within. And you know, we all have that worm inside our apples. Some, 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 some people have the flesh where that worm pops out once in a while, all right? And, and, and you know it. Some people keep that, that shiny red apple, that, that nice side of that apple out so everyone can see it all the time. But guys, for me, it was learning who I was, with, who, who I was, that real person with that worm, apart from Jesus. And it changed everything. Everything. Almost right away, I started looking at, at, at people differently when I learned who I was, apart from Christ, and who I learned that who I was in Christ. And, and here's, the, here's the thing that happened. It wasn't about me anymore. I started having a heart for others. I started having a compassion and a care and, 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 and saw opportunities to give time to Christ. And it was almost right away when I realized who I was apart from him and who I was in him that things changed. And guys, let me tell you this. In Christ, you are everything. But apart from Christ, you can't do one good thing. Not even one. And it doesn't matter how many times you've been to church. I needed to know that. That's what changed it for me. And then I humbled myself and said, it's not about me any longer. That was my aligning moment with Jesus. And it happened over time. And it happened over time growing up. And for you, you might, have a, you might have a way different story than I have. But you have a moment where you can say, that is where I was humbled. That's where I first aligned to Jesus. But here, isn't it, isn't it a process that continues even after you come to Christ the first time? Isn't it a process that keeps going? I really believe this next verse is still part of this aligned theme. And it says, verse 7, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Aligning isn't a one-time thing. Maybe right now you're, you're sitting out there and you're trying to control some things. And you got some stuff going on in your life where it's, it's, it's something that's hard to control. Over the last two years, I've watched family and friends go through things where I had absolutely no control. 
I had a mother, and I'm not going to I'm not going to park on this because I'm I'm going to try to go without getting too emotional this morning. But I had a mother who was laying there that we didn't know the, what the outcome would be a couple years ago with a stroke, and I had a brother who two times in three months was at death's doorstep as it related to liver failure and COVID. And God was good. But, and I can say that there, 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 God, there, there are two people I'll see this afternoon, thank God, by God's grace. And you guys prayed for both of them at that, as that was happening. You remember that. But here's the thing. You don't need a family member on a deathbed in, to realize that you got very little control over very many things. You could look probably at something going on in your life right now and say, I, I just, I want to control this, but I can't control this. And I'm losing control as we speak. Guys, properly aligning yourself in Christ means that you cast all your anxiety on him. What are you trying to control right now? And if you answer that question, that's what you got to give to Jesus. What is it in your life you're trying to control? That's what you got to give to him. Verse 8 and 9 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You know, we align ourselves in Christ, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to be all good, okay? That doesn't mean, you know, and, and um, you know, the, the, um, the thing is, sometimes we, we, we really believe that. Hey, I'm going to give my life to Christ, and, and, and at camp, we, we, share, we share the straight-up truth with these kids at camp. Just because you decide to follow Jesus this week doesn't mean life at home changes, but now you got someone that's never going to leave you or forsake you. Okay? The, your situation might not change after you align yourself with Christ. It, 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 it may stay exactly the same. But now you can cast all your anxieties on him. You know, when we, the next thing we have to learn to do in this walk, though, is react. And, and I think to properly react, in Peter's words, we have to be alert and be of sober mind. Be alert and be of sober mind. As a defensive line coach, coach in high school football, what is the one thing I taught my guys to do first? Look at the ball, okay? Look at the ball, because when that ball moves, you move. When that ball moves, you move, because you're not in friendly territory, Okay, if you don't move when that ball moves, you're getting hit. And sometimes we forget as Bible-believing Christians that we aren't on friendly territory the minute you wake up every single day. You are behind enemy lines. And you don't have to turn the TV on, and you don't have to talk to too many people to realize it. You are behind enemy lines every single morning that your feet hit the floor. And you better learn to react in that. 
Too often we go around and we forget about the lion. We forget that there's a lion prowling, ready to attack. One of, the, one of my favorite things I do each summer, before camp even starts, is we have leadership training. And this is leadership training. that We, we hired about 100 summer staffers this summer. But at leadership training, we only invite 30. Okay, we invite our 30 best because we say that if these leaders can do a great job this summer, the counselors can do a great job this summer, and then the counselors are going to pour into the kids and great things are going to happen here at camp. So we have a weekend dedicated to training up these leaders. Okay, and and then we have a weekend dedicated or or a a three-day period dedicated to training up these young adult volunteer summer staffers. And, And I love pouring into these young adults. And I love getting real with them. And, and, and this year, I was, I was getting a chance to, I was getting a chance to get real on a, on a morning devo at leadership training. And, and one of the things the Lord led me to say is this, that you are on enemy grounds, but you don't know what the bogeys are going to look like. Okay? You don't know what the bullets look like. You don't know what kind of ammunition's coming your way, and sometimes until it gets to you. As a young adult man, I can, gar- I can almost guarantee the, the, the bogeys in their lives look like young adult women. Okay? And, and you can almost guarantee what some of them are going to look like. But you better be alert for these bogeys in your lives, because they're coming. You're on enemy ground. And, and, and here's, the, here's the, the reality, guys. Out of all the summer staffers that we get a chance to pour into every year, we get a chance to watch some of these guys go on and, 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 and give the, have an amazing missions experience at camp and then go back to their campus and be used in their campus ministry and bring other college-aged people to Christ and, and, and help lead others. And, and then they go back, they go on to jobs. Some of these, some of these summer staffers have gone on to, to careers and have early success in careers. Some of them go on and, and say, hey, listen, I, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm going to go out and I'm going to choose a great man or woman, and I'm going to choose that person to be the one that I pursue. And then they make these great, great decisions, leaving this amazing experience. But then we have these. And I'm going to tell you the real truth, that we have some summer staffers who go away from that missions experience, go back to the college campus, and forget they're on enemy territory, and get clipped, and fall away, and struggle. But I really believe that if we're going to properly react, we got to realize where we're standing. you got to realize you're on enemy grounds. There's a lion there, and he's ready to attack. You cannot do it any other way. And then when you do have a bogey come your way, the proper reaction is what we saw in, in Joseph's life. Not Joseph and Mary, Joseph in Genesis, is when, he, when that bogey came at him, he ran. Okay, he ran so fast he left his clothes behind. He ran away from the temptation. He ran away from the, from the problem. And he got away and he got himself aligned again with God. 
He said, I'm not going to go down that road because I'm going to choose God's best right now. Reacting properly is saying, I'm going to choose God's best as things come my way. I'm going to choose not to do it in my own strength. I'm going to choose to give it to Him. I don't think there's one person in here this morning that gets up and says, you know, I can't wait to make a bad decision today. I can't wait to go to work and make a fool of myself. I can't wait to go back home tonight and have a fight with my wife. That would be really awesome. I, I, I just, I, I'm just so excited for that. But when we forget, you know, we, we blame all kinds of things. Oh, it's just, it's just a culture It's just society. It's just the way I was raised. It's just this, it's just that. We we blame all kinds of things. Do you know what it is? It's enemy territory. It's spiritual warfare. Call it what it is. You're being attacked. We forget about the spiritual. We we love to forget about the spiritual. We love it's so easy to wake up and think those crazy things we see on TV are just crazy things on TV. We're under spiritual attack here. It's not just on TV, though, guys. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on what's going on in your home. Do you realize that as, as, as great a people as you live with, you're still on enemy territory in your own home? You've got to be wary of the attacks. You've got to realize that it's not them, but you're being attacked because... The, the last thing that Satan wants is you to have a great marriage. The last thing that Satan wants is for you to be an amazing mother or father. Or big brother or big sister. That's the last thing he wants. So he'll do anything he can. Forget the news. Look at your house. He'll do anything he can. To attack. But here's the good news. Even when, not if, even when you react poorly. Verse 10. And the God of all grace. The God of all grace. Grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you. One of the things great athletes learn is that if you have a bad play, forget about it and move on. The really great ones, though, learn that if you have a bad play, the play might not even be over yet. And that if I finish the play, I could turn it into a good play. That's the really great ones. Have you ever seen that effort, man, on the field of someone who's just getting blocked or someone who's getting pinned in and they realize that the play's not over and they finish strong? And they end, up, they, end up, they end up stopping the touchdown. 
They end up making the, t- the, 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 the tackle at the right time, right before the, 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 the running back scores six. That's exactly, that's the great ones. The play is not over. The play is not over because we are on the side of the God of all grace. See, here's the thing, guys. A bad reaction is not the end. Well, some of you guys are saying out there this morning, my life, my whole life's been a bad reaction. It's not the end. It's never too late. It's never too late. Because we serve the God of all grace. Finishing properly means that we realize we have Him, and then He gives us each other. You see, God gives us this gift of brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why, that's why we're, you know that's why we're sitting here this morning, right? We're sitting here because of the brothers and sisters sitting around us. And, and, and you might be saying that I, I, you know, I, I don't know how to move forward here. Well, I'm going to tell you, God can lead you, but there's a brother or sister out there that can encourage you as well. And, and what I want to do is I want to tell you that as you're pressing on here, you can't do it alone. You can't do this Christ-following thing this discipleship thing, this moving forward with Jesus thing by yourself. And I'm going to give you some practical ways to get the best out of this God of all grace. In order to get the best out of God's grace, you need to surround yourself by a brother or a sister or one or two that, that are going to continue to push you back to him. And if you don't have that one or two pushing you back to him, you can't do it. This is top priority stuff. Well, Kurt, what do you mean? I mean that I don't care what you call it. I don't care if you call it accountability. I don't care if you call it friendship. I don't care if you call it counseling. I don't care what you call it. You need a brother or sister in your life pushing you back to the God of all grace. And here's the prerequisites for that brother or sister. They need to lead with God's grace. Okay? They need to lead with God's grace every time you get together with them. Because you're not going to keep getting together with someone that's going to lead with a spanking. Okay? You got to be real with them. You got to open up with them. You got to get vulnerable with them. And they got to be able to lead with God's grace, not lead with judgment. That's who you're looking for, number one. Number two, you're looking for someone who has absolutely no agenda in your life. Accept God's best for you. No agenda. Not, not a guy who wants you to come to his church. Not a guy who wants you to be on his team. Not a guy who wants you to work for him. None of that. No agenda. Except God's best. Leads with grace. No agenda. Except God's best. And then three, and this is going to sound a little bit straightforward, but you need to find someone who can keep their mouth shut. 
Because your business is not everyone else's business. Those are the three prerequisites for finding a brother or sister who will keep pointing you back to Jesus, to the God of all grace. And if you don't have that, you need it. Well, wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're telling me I need it. How? How do I do that? Here's how. Ask. Ask. Identify someone and ask them, can we get together? Can I talk to you? We make this thing super complicated. Ask them. Ask her. Can I get with you? Can I talk to you? I'd love to tell you what's going on. Proverbs 12:15 says, "The way of the fools, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice." The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Who's advising you right now? And I'm not talking about the world. The world's going to advise you in all kinds of things. What brother or sister is advising you on life's decisions right now? You can't finish properly if you don't have that. You need it. You have to align yourself in Him. You have to react in His power. And you need to finish by understanding He's the God of all grace. And He's got people around you that can pour in and help you get there. And then you get to the last part of this verse 10, where it says, after you've suffered a little while. After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you. Christ himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Strong, firm, and steadfast. Those aren't passive words. That's, who he, that's how he wants you to finish this thing. Strong, firm, and steadfast. And this isn't some machismo thing. This is the Bible. This is reality of how Christ is calling us to live. These are fighting words. And we do not tell each other this enough. You are called to fight. He's calling you to finish. That means you don't quit. That means if you start something, you finish it. And it says, by no coincidence, after you suffered a little while. 
that means it ain't, it's not going to be easy all the time. But he's calling you to fight. And I've, 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 I've shared this with people in the past, but I, I, I can't leave out this one part. Because when you hear these fighting, this, this, when I hear someone say fight, you start, you start tensing up. You say, yeah, got to fight. Mm. And, 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 then, and then you start, you start getting like that. And then, and then you think it's something that you got to do. Man, I, I just got to work out more and get ready for this. Yeah. No, you don't got to do that. That's not what it looks like to fight in Christ. In fact, it looks a lot opposite, a lot, a lot really more opposite to that. It's not how much iron you can pump. It's not how scary you sound. It's not how self-confident you look. It's how well you align yourself to Him. You don't do it on your own. That's how you become strong, firm, and steadfast. And here's the great news, guys. All of us are going to have a chance to practice this. This week. You want, to, you want to start practicing aligning yourself to Christ, reacting properly, and finishing well? Go get them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. We pray that you would lead and guide us this week as we do go out there into enemy territory. As we seek to stand firm and steadfast in you. Let us be strong, Lord Jesus, we pray. In your strength, amen.